the impressive skill <laughs> that you kind of exhibit in this process is being able to think about acceptances and rejections in a very logical way. Hey there, I'm Lily and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. In this episode of this podcast, we talked about how college decisions don't define your worth. Um, and if I have ever overshared on an episode, it's this one. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Um, but I actually feel like this episode is the one where I felt the most comfortable being vulnerable because what we were talking about was how where you go to college doesn't define your worth. It doesn't define who you are, what you'll do, how far your career will go. And so I felt very comfortable sharing my own story because I hope that somebody listening will find comfort in all of the things that we've shared on this episode today um, and feel inspired to think a little more forgivingly on their own college journey. Um, I don't know if forgivingly is a word, but I'm going to go with it. So yeah, I think that about covers it. I'm really happy to share this episode with you. So enjoy. Let's go to the team. Hi guys, thank you so much for being here today to talk to me about why college decisions don't decide your worth. That's the title we've kind of settled on for this episode. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this. I say that every time, but I really am because this has been on my mind a lot recently um, between my own college journey and also my younger sister who's kind of starting her college journey. Um, Self-worth and college decisions are, are tied so tightly together in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm hoping we can get people to kind of change their minds on that in this episode. Um, before we get into any of that, though, I was hoping we could do kind of a short introduction, maybe just go around and say who you are, uh, what you do at Strive, and describe your college journey a little bit so that people can understand the kind of diversity of experience that we have on this call. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, guys. My name's Amanda. Uh, I'm a college counselor at Strive to Learn and a tutor at Strive to Learn as well. Um, my college journey was not what I had anticipated. Um, I didn't get into any of my top schools. Um, but to be honest, I think that might've been for the best uh, because I went somewhere I really loved. Um, also, I studied what I really loved and don't really do anything for my job that's related. So if that's a concern <laughs> of yours, um, know that it's okay <laughs> to not know what you wanna do for the rest of your life even when you're in college, because you'll figure it out. I went to UC Santa Cruz. Um, awesome. That's the University of California in Santa Cruz uh, for anyone that's listening that's not familiar. Yeah, hi, I'm Rachel and I um, am also a college consultant for Strive to Learn. And I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Um, I loved my experience there and it was also you know, I wanted to graduate after four years, like most of my friends. And uh, because of studying abroad and some circumstances with my um, elementary education program, I was there for five and a half years. So um, it took me a little longer and also that's okay. Hi, I'm William. I'm the academic coordinator at Strive to Learn and a college admissions consultant as well. I uh, had a winding journey. I actually started college when I was a junior in high school. I, I was in a community college program that allowed me to finish up my high school classes at the same time. So I took a lot of uh, community college classes in high school and then went to a small private university, Biola University, for my freshman year. 
And then I transferred after one year to a large public university, uh, UNLV in Las Vegas, Nevada. And finally, after one year at UNLV, I transferred to Cal State Long Beach, uh, Cal State University Long Beach in Long Beach, California. And that was what my home finally ended up being. So it took me a little while to find a good fit, but I eventually did. Hi, I'm Josephine. Um, I am the founder of Strive to Learn, a college admissions consultant and all that fun jazz. Um, and I really wanted to go to USC. That was my top choice. Um, and that's where I wanted to transfer from community college. And I got in and I was really excited. Um, but lo and behold, I did not get any scholarship money. So I would have had to drop a lot of money to go there. So I was pretty frustrated and upset um, that I had to go to Chapman instead because they gave me a lot of money. But once I got there, I realized that it's exactly what I needed. Um, it really gave me tremendous opportunities that I never would have had, that I never would have dreamed of. Um, it, it honestly changed my entire career trajectory um, in a really positive way that I'm super thankful for. Um, and I'm Lily. I work at Strive as a podcast producer, and I have been at uh, Carnegie Mellon at Santa Monica College and hopefully at another four-year university in the next couple of years. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I like that we have a, a majority of people on this call who either have gone to three or more colleges or will go to three or more colleges. Um, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, you can have a group of people together and the majority will not have what we think of as like the traditional college experience of going to one place for four years completing their degree and moving on. Um, yeah, I like that we're kind of getting away from that. So I wanted to start out the kind of idea for this podcast, at least in my kind of little Strive ecosystem came from Josephine um, uh, because you were really interested in talking about uh, this kind of myth that, that where you go to college really has an effect on your self-worth and, and who you are as a person. Yeah. It's end of February, right? Yeah. Um, right now. So everyone's kind of waiting to see um, where did they get in, right? And, and yeah. stress is running high. Some people already know where they got in. Other people have no idea where they got in. Um, or some people already got rejected by their top schools. So I really want this episode to be something that all of you can listen to as you're agonizing over this decision that's coming up for you in the next month or two. Um, so hopefully you can find some good chunks in here that um, really put some perspective on um, kind of the anxiety that you may be feeling and that allow you to see kind of your, your opportunities and open doors rather than seeing a rejection as the end all be all of your life. Yeah. And honestly, that's what it feels like. I, I remember that experience has been a couple of years for me, but it's still very vivid in my mind. Like I've worked hard to kind of dissociate that idea of self-worth from my college acceptances, but I still remember the pain of being denied from some of my top schools and feeling like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. I must be an awful student. <laughs> like, I must be the worst. That's why they didn't want me. I'm the worst. Yeah. Lily, I remember that too. I actually cried a couple of times. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. And there's definitely that horrible like pit in your stomach that you're like, it's, it's me. It's a hundred percent me. Yeah. It couldn't be anything else. It's just all about me in this moment and how terrible I am. And uh, it's actually not that at all. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. that's what we want to talk about is that it's not you. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. And I, that was my experience too, even with schools where I was waitlisted, which waitlisted technically means that you, you could be a part of the student body that they've decided, you know, you're good enough to be part of our student body. We're just trying to make sure that we use our space effectively. And then like not being let in off the waitlist is like, okay, well, I must, I must be the worst. <laughs> yeah. I was actually waitlisted for Wisconsin and uh, my parents went there and, you know, I was groomed like from the age of two, I was singing the fight song pretty much. <laughs> so it was like, I was going to go to Wisconsin. So when I got waitlisted, that was really um, kind of a heartbreaking moment. And also just really like what, what is going to happen. And I had a backup plan and I, and I know that if I hadn't gotten accepted, eventually I would have gone to Indiana and I would have loved it and had a totally great and different path in life. And so it's also kind of a funny thing to think about now, you know, as making those choices. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I did get in off the wait list and, and I think it was probably more about like, I was an in-state student and there's only, you know, so many, I went to a high school with 1200 people that probably, you know, half my class applied to, to Madison. So, um, you know, it's, it's about that too, like the entire pool of people who they're, who they're getting. So it's not just about you. You know what that, what that makes me think of Rachel, when you say uh, you could have had an entirely different path is it makes me think of not the career that I ended up doing, not the type of work I ended up doing, none of that, but the people I met and the places I ended up going and living and, because I think about, you know, it's it's the the sliding doors thing. What would happen if totally. I had not gone to um, Biola University where I went my first year? Well, I ended up not liking that school at all academically and philosophically and just in a lot of ways. It wasn't a good fit for me. However, I met a couple friends who I ended up who are, you know, probably the closest friends I met at any point during my, my college career still. And having met them led to me eventually, you know, in one of these crazy winding ways, years later, I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I met my eventual wife and who I'm now married to and have a family with. And it's like, would that, would none of that have happened if I hadn't gone to Viola, you know, even though it wasn't right. a good fit for me, it was the path that my life ended up taking. And I love kind of thinking in that way, because it's impossible to to plan out um, what's going to happen later and what's going to end up being the great moments in your life. Um, and sometimes you just have to make a leap. You just have to make a decision. Totally. You, it, you can't think it's going to be perfect, you know, but. Right. It's the cliche of everything happens for a reason, but yeah. I like really do believe that. I just I think it's <laughs> such a true cliche. Um, and also you don't have that perspective until now, you know, like. 10, 15, 20 years later, it's, it's hard when you're in the moment and you're 17 and or 18 and, you know, your world does, it's very small. <laughs> it is all about you when you're a teenager and before you, you know, leave your house. So, um, but yeah, it is, it's fascinating to think about that for me too. Um, what you just said, Rachel, reminded me of something that my mom said to me when I was crying over my rejection letters. Um, is basically try to think about yourself in five years. What is gonna to matter to you in five years? Is it the rejections that you got or is it the experience that you had with the acceptances that you got? Um, and whether that is um, you know, an enrollment at a community college, that's a very um, fair path as well. And even if you didn't get into your top universities and that's what you decided to do instead, 
you know, it's what are you going to do with the time that you do have? And what's going to matter to you in five years is going to be the experience that you had, no matter what your rejection letter said. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a great perspective to keep in the back of your mind for the rest of your life, really, is is this thing that I'm going through really going to matter in five years? Um, And if not, feel the feelings, move through it and and move on to the next amazing thing that's about to, you know, unfold in front of you. Yeah. And part of what makes that such good advice is that the real, like the impressive skill (laughs) that you kind of exhibit in this process is being able to think about acceptances and rejections in a very logical way. Um, When at the time, at that moment, when you get accepted or rejected in the process as you're like waiting to hear back, it does not feel logical. It feels extremely emotional. It feels like you're waiting to see if you have been picked at the dance. It's like, you're like, really, it's so associated, it feels so associated with you as a person, instead of this logical process of trying to match you with a school that is the best fit for you. Um, And yeah, that is still hard for me. Right now, it's going to be hard for me when I apply to my next kind of set of schools. And yeah, it's, I'm impressed by people who have really kind of nailed down being able to do that and think about it in such a logical way. So let's talk about some of the logic behind it. I think, um, Rachel, you sort of um, alluded to the fact that there's more going on here than just your grades or just your uh, application alone. Um, I know you other counselors have some great facts, and I would love to hear them from you. (laughs) Well, I think that um, you're you're kind of going in the direction of enrollment management um, and kind of thinking about, you know, why did I get in or why did I not get in? Students tend to make that about their application. I got in because I put this on my application or I did this in my high school years, or I got that grade, or I didn't get in for those reasons. My friend got in and their ACT score was one point higher than mine. If only I had tried harder to get another point, I would have gotten into. And that's really not how it works. I just want to make that really clear. That's not at all how it works. Um, there's something called enrollment management. Um, and what that means is that a school um, needs to figure out how much money and how many seats do they have for the incoming freshman class. And each university does that differently. Um, by the way, I'm using the word school, college, university, all interchangeable, I'm talking about four-year institutions um, for undergraduate. Um So for example, the University of California's enrollment management strategies are like really intense, um, much more so than at some other schools because they make it really specific even about major or about department. So um, other universities might make it across the board, but basically it means that like each major, each department has a specific budget for that year that they can use up for anything for teaching, paying teaching staff, uh, building a new building, creating a new lab, um, you know, hosting an event, whatever it might be. Um, And so based on that budget, they determine what size incoming class can that major take? Then they go up to the department level. Can that department take, et cetera, until you have kind of the entire incoming freshman class number. So here more than ever, it's, it's really not about were you, the applicant, worthy, air quotes, worthy or not. It's really about the university that's trying to get 
trying to manage getting the exact class that they have space and money for distributed across departments and majors in a really specific and predetermined way. So for example, one of my former students, Alexia, she's actually also a guest on the podcast in our gap year episode. Um, So check that out if you want to hear it, you know, straight from her, but she was denied by all universities she applied to. And she like shot high towards prestige. And that's actually something else we need to talk about. But, um, Then she reapplied the following year and she had taken a gap year. So she did add something to her resume, which changed her essays and showed that she had a lot of life experience, but her GPA didn't change. Her test score didn't change. Her high school trajectory didn't change. None of that changed. Right. And then she was able to get into UCLA and Berkeley. Um, And so both of which had formally denied her. Right. And that's just also, again, a reflection of what are, who are they looking for in that year? Um, and how are they going to fill that? Did they just build a new science building? <laughs> um, start a new major where they're like, oh, we really need students for this major because the major doesn't have a reputation yet. You know, Chapman, for example, um, a few years ago, added an engineering major that they didn't have engineering before, right? So I think they even had like a first year free tuition um, thing, something like that for first wow. year engineering students um, at that time. Yeah, because no one knew that they had engineering. Yeah. So, you know, maybe your friend got in for engineering because that's those are the spots they had available that year. While you weren't admitted, even though your scores were higher than your friends, your GPA was higher, you did more extracurriculars. But that's just not whom they had space for in that year. So it's not about you and whether you're worthy enough to go there. It's how well do you fit into the enrollment management strategies that the university, in order to survive and flourish, needs to adhere to that year. And that can be very different from year to year, which you can see in how wildly um, waitlist management um, fluctuates. That's a direct reflection of that, for example. I was just going to say, I think all of those uh, points are um, incredibly important because um, when you get that emotional decision, it does help you logic your way through it a little bit to step yourself outside of the, um, the feeling that it's, it's totally you. And in fact, there's actually a huge, um, I don't know if I'd call it a machine, uh, but there are almost business decisions that are made about student, um, a student enrollment that has little to do with you. And that's not to say that you're just a number and that you're not um, a valuable addition to the school. Um, you know, I don't wanna go that far as to say, oh, it doesn't matter what your grades are. You know, all that matters is what the school is doing. Um, Cause that's absolutely not true. Um, but it does help, I think, to sort of mitigate that stress that you are totally in control of what happens to your application and therefore you are totally at fault if you don't go to your dream school. I think, you know, we talked about fit and um, how like you need, you should hopefully, hopefully you end up at the university that's the best fit for you. And you may not know which one that is until you look back um, and realize, oh man, I did end up in the right place. Like that's definitely how it was for me. I did not plan it that way, but looking back, it was absolutely the right fit. And it is all about fit also for the people who are making the admissions decisions. Um, So instead of thinking, am I good enough for this school? I really want to encourage you to shift your thought process to, are this school and I a good fit for each other? Because 
if you were completely honest on your application and you really gave them a chance to get to know you, and then they didn't admit you, that means that maybe the university isn't actually a great fit for you. And they, they're saving you a headache <laughs> and a transfer application yeah. later on by not admitting you. Um, and, and they may want you to attend somewhere else and succeed and love your undergraduate years. And they think that you might be able to do that better at a different university. I mean, we once had a chat with an admissions rep um, who came to Strive to Learn who gave us a really specific example. He said he had, um, I don't know if you remember, William, I think you and I were there, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to say the university because he told us this in confidence, but um, he said he had a student who applied and this was a university in a more rural location, not close to like a super big town. Um, and he would have loved to have her at his university. She um, was a fantastic student. He said, wow, she would be amazing here. But she wrote a lot about her passion for acting um, and how she was so excited to pursue that. And he just thought, you know, you need to be in a city with opportunities to follow your dreams. And if you come out here, then you're going to have to put all those dreams on hold. So even though he really wanted that specific student at his university, he denied her admission because he wanted to allow her to continue following her passion. I thought that, I, I don't know if that was the right decision, right? Was that the right choice? I don't know, because maybe he should have left that up to her, but that still, you know, it's these admissions reps, they do in the end want what's best for the student as much as what's best for the university. And if they feel like that student would not flourish and find their spot at the university, not for any academic or worth reasons, just, just as part of fit, then they may deny based on that. That's also, it's so interesting, you know, that anecdote, just because I think a lot of people might hear that and react in a way that's like, well, who is that person to decide that this was not the right thing for me? You know, like I applied there for a reason. And I think, you know, from where we sit, it's just an example that's all the more important of um, crafting that application. If the university asks why us, you know, don't tell them, you know, don't go off on your future of wanting to be an actor if that is not something that is offered or strength of the university. Like find the things that you actually think are fitting for you. Why are you excited about applying to this place and make sure that that shines. And that's where a lot of students figure out that the university isn't actually a good fit, right? Once they start writing the why us essays. Right. So if you're not sure if your university is a good fit and and you're having trouble deciding where to go. Um, and you feel like you're being swayed by like thinking, oh, I should go here because the prestige is higher or the ranking is higher, but I don't actually know if that's where I should go, but I'm afraid to even say that out loud to people because they're all like, oh, but you got into this place, so you must be going, right? That's something we struggle with a lot. Um, and write, write, a why, write a why this college essay right? Why you'd love to go there and link it to specific things that you want in your life and do that for every acceptance you got. And the one that is really hard to write, that's not going to be your place. The one that just kind of flows out of you, that's probably where you should attend. I think that kind of reminds me of something I think everyone who's going through the acceptance process right now should do is just, re just reconsider in general, because the reality is you are a different person now. Than when you applied <laughs> even a few months you've probably grown and changed and 
and your perspectives and your goals have shifted because you've had all these months in between to really think about what do I want next year? And there's something very real about when you have an acceptance in your hand. And all of a sudden, all that research is like, oh, this isn't just a maybe anymore. This is real. Um, okay. And that can really clarify a lot um, for, for you as a, um, a potential student, not just like, a, oh, maybe I'll apply and see what happens. Like, no, you could literally write into them and say, yeah, I'm, I'm coming. I'm moving in next year. Here we go. And um, that reconsideration process, don't let that slip through your hands because it could, you could surprise yourself. You could, you could decide actually, you know, what feels right and, and is the uh, clearest path to my goals is actually the thing that six months ago felt like my last choice that I didn't want to go to. But now that I really think about it, it's my first choice, you know, um, because you don't, it's a big decision to make. And, and when you're applying to schools, you're thinking about a million things. You're thinking about essays and you're thinking about your grades and you're thinking about your school and you're thinking about all, you know, everything. But um, the choices get a little narrower when you get your acceptances and clarity might be uh, a really important uh, pro part of this process. So yeah, I think writing an essay is great, <laughs> but I think there's lots of ways to clarify mm -hmm. it too. Yeah. I just want to say one thing really quick, which is that, um, yeah, I like totally agree, Amanda. And, and also going back to that idea of writing those, you know, why this college essays, something that, um, that I think all of us kind of talk, say to our students when we're, we're, you know, helping them plan those out is to, you know, we really want to take it to that area of fit. So I think an analogy that we've all used at some time, if not every time is think of it as a relationship and think of it as a two-way uh, relationship. It, it, you know, what you want to do in those essays is not only explain what would make you a good fit for the school, but also what makes the school a good fit for you. So, you know, just thinking of that reciprocal kind of relationship. And I think it might be helpful in, in a certain way to think of with acceptances and rejections from colleges, think of that as a two-way thing as well, in the sense that, when you are in a, when you're pursuing a relationship with a person, whether it's a friend or, or like a romantic thing, um, and it's not reciprocated, that can be really harmful um, psychologically, emotionally on you and can stall you out from moving forward in life, from being content, from, you know, just, just being able to live happily. And, you know, the flip side of that is when you want someone when you want to be with someone be their friend or be their partner and they also want to be with you that's what it is that's what we're all looking for you know that's that's perfect and I think that that's uh, if you get acceptances from colleges that is within your grasp you can have that that reciprocated to a happy relationship you know that's going to help you reach your goals that's going to be a place where you will build a community and meet new people that will lead to your next phase of life in ways that you have no idea what that will be you know so i think um it's in that way a lot of it is about valuing yourself you know in those relationships that that don't where where you're pursuing someone who doesn't want to be with you i think that part of that is that that person is not valuing themselves because they're putting too much value in in the other person's how the other person sees them. Um, 
So, you know, you, you just have to end those kinds of relationships. And I'm not a, I'm, you know, not a psychotherapist. I'm not a, I don't give relationship advice, but even I know you, you, you have to get out of those harmful relationships where it's not a relationship. It's you pursuing after, you know, some, something that you're not going to have. Um, and that, I mean, that might sound harsh when we're thinking of it as college acceptances and, and I'm, I'm sorry if it comes across that way, but I just think it, it is something you need to have a reality check about sometimes and, and just realize, you know, you're going to, you're going to harm yourself if you get too hung up on, on rejections, um, while you've got these wonderful acceptances sitting there. Yeah. And when you wonder what you're worth, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I love the relationship analogy here, William. I Me love too. it. Like, <laughs> You know, are are you gonna date like the the quarterback of the football team, or are you gonna date um, you know the um, you know one of the members of the robotics team? Um, like, you should date <laughs> whoever you want to date. You shouldn't date who you think will give you more prestige in society yeah. because that's not actually how it works out at all, right? So I always tell my students like, when you're wondering what you're worth, because that's inevitably what you're thinking about as you get acceptances and as you get rejections ask yourself not for a name of a university to like explain your worth to yourself like which university are you worth um which guy or boyfriend or girlfriend are you worth right but dig deep and ask which fit criteria are you worth so what type of relationship do you want to have right so like are you worth hiring as a research assistant you probably are are you worth majoring in film? Are you worth playing on the football team? You know, find the university that really honors your worth by affording you those opportunities. Um, And that way you'll feel incredibly worthy throughout your entire undergraduate career, not just at the moment of getting in, because it's really just a moment in time. It is fleeting. It will move on. And in just a few months from now, it doesn't even take years. In just a few months from now, when you enter college, you will be like, oh, wow, I cared so much about that, but now I care about way other things. So focus on like, where can you go to become a bolder, more confident person? Where can you be a big fish in a small pond? Because that's really where you'll grow into who you want to be. And you'll see that you actually will end up in the same like jobs or industries as students who went to much higher ranking universities. Um, And you'll be like, wow, we both ended up here when I was in high school. Like I never would have thought that, right? (laughs) Yeah, um, Josephine, I think that's such a great point. And I think at the end of the day, the goal of university, I mean, there's many goals, um, but you have to think, you know, what am I going to do with my degree or what am I going to do afterwards? And um, future job opportunities want to know, well, what did you do while you were at college? And what did you do while you're in school? And if you're at a, if you're scraping sort of the bottom of the barrel, say, you know, you you apply to really prestigious school, and maybe it's not the right fit for you, but you are really trudging through because you got in and you want that piece of paper, but you really, you're kind of depressed because you're actually not enjoying yeah. it. And therefore you're actually not really doing anything while you're there because you're shut up in your room, feeling kind of bummed or like just not putting yourself out there. Um, and then you get that piece of paper and you go on to get a job and people are like, so what did you do the last four and a half years? And you're like, well, I, I don't know. I, I kind of didn't do a whole lot okay, so there's one scenario, or there's the other scenario where you go to a school that makes you really happy and makes you want to get involved. And at the end of the four years that you're there or five years, whatever it may be, um, you have a lot to talk about. And you, those 
things open more doors for you because you have to think this is the college experience is not the end of your life. It is literally only the beginning. It's a springboard to get you to where you're going to go eventually. Um, so definitely find a place where you feel like you are going to have a lot of opportunities to explore yourself and um, sort of build yourself up for when you go out into the even bigger pond of where do I get a job and who, you know, where am I going to live? And that's, that's even more choices when you get out there. <laughs> so. so have any of you had any experiences with um, attending a university for the prestige, whether that was you or your student for the prestige <laughs> and then realizing, wait, yeah, you know, you, you know who I'm talking to. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Is my answer. Um, well, I, so not to beat Williams, uh, uh, relationships metaphor to death, but, um, I, I think that my experience of being accepted into Carnegie Mellon could have been kind of a tip off for me that it wasn't going to be a good fit. Um, because I have like a vivid memory of a few times where I was literally just like crying on the couch trying to figure out if I could accept their acceptance and if I really wanted that and if like the financial burden was going to be something that I could justify and that I wouldn't feel guilty about and whatever and I think that relationship wise like if I were pursuing a romantic relationship with Carnegie Mellon University like it should not be that hard <laughs> it just shouldn't be that much emotional turmoil that that was a real tip-off for me and I hope my family kind of sees that now as well it just should not have been that hard um so I didn't exclusively go to CMU because of the, the prestige, but I did feel an intense pressure to go because I had gotten accepted. It was like, wow, whatever, 3% of applicants this year to this specific program got accepted and I'm one of them. How stupid would I be to not go? That, that thought was basically what guided my decision to go. It wasn't guided by like, these are my goals. And going here will further those goals and uh, really fulfill me in X, Y, and Z ways, which should have been the guiding principle that I, I like allowed to take me to whatever school I was going to go to. Um, and I, I did experience, I mean, you know, it was a unique year. I went in the fall of 2020 through spring of 2021. Um, and Amanda described being shut up in uh, someone's room. I was in my room a lot of that time <laughs> anyways. I was fully online for the first semester and barely not online for the second semester. Um, but it still felt like, it still felt like that. I felt very like I'm completing my coursework. I'm not that enthusiastic about any of the kind of extracurricular things that I can be engaged with. I'm meeting people, but I'm not like incredibly motivated to really engage with them or really make long-term friends. I'm just kind of like, getting through. And when I realized how miserable that was making me, I called Josephine from my apartment in Pittsburgh. And I was like, I think I need to change schools. <laughs> She's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and it was yeah. so interesting because we were working together a lot when you were making the choice of whether to go yeah. to CMU, mm -hmm. right? And so it's not like you weren't asked those questions or we didn't oh, yeah. do exercises, right? No, it's just the mystique of, of 
prestige is so deeply worked into us from the time that we are little and first learn about college and what it is that like I was so good at tricking myself into thinking that that's what I wanted. So being able to be when you were asking me these questions as we were working in college counseling together I mean it was also easy for me to be like oh yeah totally like this is a great school I'll be I remember you saying like asking me questions about whether I would be happy and I would answer with like oh yeah it's a great school which yeah and I'm like like, why (laughs) like that's not really the answer that goes with that question but okay right so, so I think like, that's so hard, right? I mean, you're already yeah. getting your, you still can't, it's so hard to like put what everything we're saying into practice when you're in the moment as a student. Yeah. I think it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous um, hurdle to overcome. Um, and, and, and I, um, I, I'm going to steal something from another IEC. Um <laughs> She said this in um, in a in a meeting we were having with you know with like a group of ICs um, educational consultants that uh, William and I meet with. Um, so and her name is Jenny and she's amazing. So she said um, that if only college could be like a blind wine tasting. I mean, imagine that, right? So you have all these bottles lined up; they all look exactly the same, and you just taste all the different wines. And then you pick the one that you like the most and you're not influenced by the pretty label. I definitely know I go for labels Um, by the pretty label, right? That could be, you know, the lazy river or the highest climbing wall that that the university has Um, or just, you know, the sticker. You're not influenced by, oh, but this is the expensive bottle. So, oh, now I am starting to taste that it, it is a higher caliber, right? So, um, I encourage you to maybe, maybe you could even do this exercise with a friend for each other, for each other. You, you first, you write down your own criteria and you give your friend here, are my criteria, this would make a college a great fit for me. And then your friend researches your colleges and writes down for each criteria, which college has what, but doesn't tell you which college is which. And then they tell you about the colleges. Maybe maybe it's your top three that you got into that you're considering and you're having a hard time choosing between. And then based on what they tell you and the opportunities you would have that would fit each one of your criteria, you say, okay, I'll choose college two or college one or college three. And then after that, there's a name reveal of which college that is. That might be a good way to try to break through that that barrier that we have of, you know, if I know this bottle of wine looks pretty and costs a lot of money, it must be better, right? Um, Same thing with universities. So maybe that's a way that you can try to um, break through um, what's holding you back as far as being able to connect with what you truly want. I have a prestige... um story personal story but I I don't want to cut off this conversation if you were gonna say something like okay um yeah no so just a personal um story about prestige it hasn't sadly unresolved ending because I'm not in communication with this person but um one of my best friends in high school um was dead set on going to West Point Military Academy uh his dad went there um his just, he was obsessed with military history. He was going to go there and major in history. He just had this all planned out. He was an excellent student. He was a good athlete. You know, he, he was just someone who I think, you know, the type of student who you would traditionally or stereotypically think 
has a higher chance to get accepted at a really prestigious school. And it's the, you know, it's a military academy. So, and this was like the late nineties, early two thousands. So I think that whatever degree there is um, legacy now, if I don't know if there's less now, but at the time legacy mattered for sure. So the fact that his dad went there, like he just had a pretty strong feeling he was going there the whole time I knew him in high school, all four years he was talking about it. So he got in, you know, he applied, he got in, he ended up going there. Uh, he majored in history. And I don't remember if it was half a year or a whole year, but he did not stay there. <laughs> he found it was not for him. Um, so he had this idea of like, it had to be this place. You know, this is the perfect fit for me. This is going to be my life all throughout high school. He achieved something that was pretty challenging to do, which was get accepted at, at, at West Point and realize it was not for him. And the reason I say it was unresolved is unfortunately I lost, I lost touch with him. I, I haven't kept up with my high school friends, but I think he just found that it wasn't his, I, honestly, I, I think he just found it wasn't his vibe. Honestly, I know that sounds very simplistic to think of, but I knew him well. And he was a very like jokey, lighthearted, humorous guy. You know, when I say he was obsessed with military history, he wasn't like a serious guy. He was very goofy. And so I think in a lot of ways, he just found it wasn't a fit for it for like, is, this is not how I want my day to day life to feel like, you know, and, and even that part of it is a big thing to think of, you know, um, I'm going to be living there, you know, that whatever college I choose to go to, I'm going to be living there. It's not just like, you know, at my school, I'm also going to be living there. So you have to, you have to keep in mind that aspect of, of fit. It's a lot more than just the, the grades and the GPA and all that. It's really hard to, um, it's really hard to quantify that because we're, we're all having a really great logical discussion right now where, you know, we're looking at, um, does it have programs I like? Does it have clubs I'm interested in? Does it have a location that interests me? You know, these are all very logical things. <laughs> There's something really unquantifiable about living in a place and just not, for lack of a better word, not vibing <laughs> with something about it. And it could be years before you understand what it was that you didn't vibe with. I think it, vibing I, is the perfect word, Amanda. Yeah, I, I always I, say vibe. It's yeah, I love that. A, there's a vibe. And, you know, even one of my students, I when we had a, a chat with the parents, um, I asked, you know, what is it that you want for your daughter? Where, where do you, you know, if you could pick anywhere for her to go, what would you want? And I love their response. They just said, a place that has her vibe. And I was like, yes, I want her to go to a place with her vibe. I absolutely want that. Um, and I think that's impossible to know. So just it's don't panic about it <laughs> if you're looking at all the logical bits and you're like yeah logically this has all the things I need that's about as good as you you can do because you can go there a million times you can talk to students you could talk to professors you can do all the research in the world and get there and be like oh this really wasn't what I was expecting um that's okay um that happens and I think maybe the the greater arc of this conversation that I'm seeing is the like the arc of forgiveness of yourself for like do you know you're doing the best you can with the information that you have at the time um and I think that's sort of the um that that's sort of like another skill that you got to have that like if you if you do think this is really the right place for you then just leave it at that and don't panic because you'll know when you get there if it truly is and if it isn't there are options for you as obviously said by everybody else in this room right now um that doesn't end here um so yeah 
anyway, William, that's just what it made me think of because I think the word vibe is just such an important um, aspect of this that you can't quantify. Well, I also think you stressing, you know, that that's okay. If something like that happens to you um, and that's your experience, it doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't, you know, make you worth anything less. Um, it's just what happens with your experience. So you got to pick yourself up and figure out the next step in your path. And, you know, we're here, we also support transfer students all the time. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, in fact, the university of California system or just California schools in general have very, um, clear transfer paths that are set up for students who go to community college to then move to a UC or Cal state and, um, make that fairly seamless. And so, you know, we want to make sure that people are considering that as an option too. Like you don't get into your top choice. There's other ways to get there. If, if, if you think that's the best place for you, it just might not happen next year. <laughs> you know, you might just have to wait a little bit more and see where your path takes you. And then maybe even after a year in community college, you don't want to go there anymore. You know, maybe something else opens up. So just being open and, you know, I think just on the topic of that, um, the UC intertransferring between UCs or between Cal States is also a thing. So if you get into the University of California and you're going to Santa Barbara and you actually find you hate it and you want to go to Davis, um, I know like a lot of people that did that. <laughs> they decided, I don't like this campus. I like the University of California. I don't like living here. Something happened. I don't like it anymore. Um, I know a lot of people that did that and it's totally um, totally cool. You don't have to take a break and go to community college if you don't want to, or you can, but you don't have to. So lots of choices that people don't think about. I think that, um, something that everyone kind of wants and is, is looking for from their education is getting more strength, more drive and, and fearlessness, right? So that you feel that, that confidence of being an adult of, you know, going into the work world, all of those things. And, and those three things are really derived from getting rejected. Like that kind of rejection is what will enable you to find strength from within. And there's a great book that I'm just going to touch upon real quick. And um, because I'm going to quote something, um, it's called Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be um, by Frank Bruni. And um, he says that basically... Um, okay. I'm just going to say it. So he says that life is defined by little snags and big setbacks. Success is determined by the ability to distinguish between two, between the two and rebound from either. And there's no single juncture, no one crossroads on which everything hinges. So why do so many Americans, anxious parents, adult children treat the college admissions process as if it were precisely that? It's like a sort of mania has taken hold and its grip seems to grow tighter and tighter because, and that's the end of the quote, because that really goes against what evidence shows, right? Students who attended prestigious universities do not do better after attending them. And I don't think we've actually said that yet, but there are multiple studies that show that there is not a higher success rate correlated at all with the prestige of the university that you attended or the ranking um, number um, of the university you attended. So we, see, we also see that every day in people around us, right? Um, like you, 
you hear all these stories and then you find out where they went and you're like, oh, wow, this person went to community college. This person doesn't have a college education. This person went to Harvard. And they're not all that different, <laughs> even though those are very different pathways, right? Um, another big myth, I think, that students beat themselves up about is if they know they want to go to graduate school, they think they have to go to the most prestigious high-ranking undergraduate school that they can get into to um, heighten their chances to then get into med school, law school, whatever it might be. And that's a total myth. You do not need to go to a big name undergraduate school if you want to go to, to a specific graduate school. What's much more important on those graduate school applications is getting experience. Like, like Amanda was saying, like we're, we've all been saying, is getting experience on your resume, um, having close relationships with professors. Those are the people who are going to recommend you. And those letters of recommendation into grad school, they change everything. So it's much more important is getting that experience, those relationships, having support in moving towards grad school applications. Um, so don't just look for statistics of, where's the highest med school placement, right? But look at which program can I be the bigger fish in so that I can take advantage of all these wonderful resources and gain these experiences to then build my very successful either graduate school application or job application. And just know like, like, like um, Frank Bruni said, life is defined by the little snags and big setbacks. Um, you learn so much from that. I mean, Lily, what did you learn? super curious. What did you learn from going to CMU based a bit on, oh my God, I got into a program that has a 3% acceptance rate and then finding yourself in that program. Like, what did you learn? <sighs> well, one of the surprising things that I learned is that um, a lot of other people felt like that too. <laughs> so I wound up being in a program, um, a very small program. I studied dramaturgy in the BXA department. Um, and I was actually one of two BXA dramaturgy students at the entire university, um, but then one of four uh, freshman dramaturgy students entirely. Um, but I couldn't find a lot of other people who were super intrinsically motivated to do things at the school. Everyone is very extrinsically motivated um, by the pressure of being at the school. And in my opinion, that led to a very stressed, very scared student body, um, at least in the small circle that I interacted with. I can't say that's true for all of the schools within the university. Um, so I guess what I really learned is that even people who really, really, really want to be at a school can be very unhappy. <laughs> um, and that was hard to wrap my head around. So yeah, I'm still working on that right now. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, I also want to make clear, we're not like ragging on prestigious or, or no, 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 not schools, at all. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, they're wonderful. They're, there's a reason they're wonderful, but you know, if you are considering going to a university that's in the top 50, top hundred of the nation, um, you know, just make sure you're going there for the right reasons. Like yeah. if you delete the prestige, the low acceptance rate and all of that, if you take all those out, are there still enough factors left, left over that make you really want to attend? And if there are, then that's the right fit for you. Go for it. You will love it. You will flourish. Yeah. But are there enough left over, right? And I just want to give one anecdote of, on that topic. I have um, a, a family member that went to community college and took a gap year. I had no idea what he wanted to do. Really brilliant kid. 
um, but he didn't know what he wanted to do. And after literally a year of just considering his options, um, he decided he wanted to go for the prestigious university. He went to Berkeley, he's now at Harvard, and that is his vibe. He is vibing so much. And I think that I just wanted to add that in there um, just to, for anybody that is like, yeah, I wanna go to that prestigious place. Um, that's, we're not ragging on it, do it <laughs> if it's your vibe. So, so one other thing that I want to talk about is that when colleges admit students, the colleges also need to think about the statistics of that undergraduate class and how that those statistics will affect their rankings, right? So I, I know I said that these the college, the admissions committees are as much invested in the student success as they are in the university success, and that is true. But they also they they face a really big burden. Um, universities are always trying to rank higher because we have this prestige mania, right? In this country. Um, and so it's the snowball effect. The more mania there is, the more the colleges try to cater to it because they are, you know, they do need to attract students, et cetera. And then that creates more mania. So it's kind of a rat race um, that the universities face of trying to rank higher and needing to make decisions about their incoming class that will make their stats look bigger and better to allow them to rise higher in rankings. And for example, your SAT scores might, um, you know, be holding you back from getting admitted. So at many universities, students with lower SAT or ACT scores whom the university still really wants and thinks they're going to be great fit. I want them in my classroom. They're admitted oftentimes for a spring start um, so that they don't get factored into the average for the admitted freshman class class for fall. So that's a, I just wanted to mention that the little loophole for universities to get around the priority of wanting to rank higher by having more competitive scores, GPAs, whatever it might be, but still being able to admit the students they really want. Because some of my students in the past have said, wow, I got into this university for spring start. That means they don't want me, which means I'm not going to go there, even though that university was a great fit for them. They loved it until the moment they got admitted for spring instead of fall because they and they felt wronged. And I've explained to them that's actually a great sign. It means the university really wants you that badly. And that's why they're putting you there, even though you're not actually helping them rank higher. Right. And that's OK. Like it actually shows higher want. So I just think that that's another interesting thing to think about um, if you do get one of those alternate admissions decisions. It means they actually really want you and are getting around the fact that maybe there was something in your application that, um, you know, was a little bit lower than what they're looking for. But you were that awesome that they're going to look past that. And as we always do, I'm going to ask you my final question, which is, do you have any final advice for students who are going through this process right now? So I do. Um, me personally, um, <laughs> um, I have some advice for students and parents, and it's actually not my advice. Um, it's again, Frank Bruni, who wrote where you go is not who you'll be. And it's actually the advice of the parents of a student who was waiting for his college acceptances. And those parents wrote this letter to their son and sealed it before any of his acceptances got in because they wanted him to know that they wrote this um, and it had nothing to do with where he got in. So I'm going to just read this because it really speaks for itself. Um, if you're a student, then listen to this as if it were written for you. If you're a parent, think about writing something like this for your kid. Dear Matt, on the night before you receive your first college response, we wanted to let you know that we could not be any prouder of you than we are today. 
Whether or not you get accepted does not determine how proud we are of everything you have accomplished and the wonderful person you have become. That will not change based on what admissions officers decide about your future. We will celebrate with joy wherever you get accepted, and the happier you are with those responses, the happier we will be. But your worth as a person, a student, and our son is not diminished or influenced in the least by what these colleges have decided. If it doesn't go your way, you'll take a different route to get where you want. There is not a single college in this country that would not be lucky to have you, and you're capable of succeeding at any of them. We love you as deep as the ocean, as high as the sky, all the way around the world and back again, and to wherever you're headed, mom and dad. That's a lovely note to end on. Yeah. (laughs) Rachel's doing little tears. Yes. Love that. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you guys so much for all of your time today. I really appreciate uh, the wisdom and it's helping me in my own college journey still. So priceless, absolutely priceless. And thank you very much. Thanks, Lily. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks, Lily. Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes and don't forget to subscribe. We'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments or DM us on Instagram at strive to learn tutoring. Get the latest updates on the college admissions world and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around and I'll see you next time.